0: When I was at uh, St. Anthony's High School, we used to have mass every day. We had it in the morning before school. So I had it up in the chapel, uh, and you had um, different groups of people. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't mandatory at all, so. Um, you had some teachers, some of the brothers, the Franciscan brothers that ran the school, they'd be there, and then kids, students. Um, it was interesting. It was a it was a very tight mass because um, it began at 7:55, and the bell for the first class was at 8:15, so it was like you had 20 minutes to get. And literally, like a bell would ring at 8:15, and like the kids would look at you, like and the teachers like, we gotta go. So I mean, if I was late, like if you came in a little late. Um, which I never really do or did, but um, keep it a couple of minutes late, then it's like an even crazier quick mass. Um, at any rate, I remember, I think it was my second year, uh, the church where I was living, uh, they had asked me if I would take duty on Thursdays, which basically meant I had to do a morning mass in the parish, which meant I couldn't do the school mass. So I met up with the principal, uh, a brother, Brother uh, brother Shane, and I said to him, What do you think about moving the mass to after school? We'll rub it right after dismissal. And he said, Yeah, definitely, let's do that. Uh, but he said, let's, let's also do this. Let's move it uh, out of the chapel, which was, well, move it out of the chapel and we'll bring it down to the uh, auditorium, which was really much more central to where everybody else was. It was right near the cafeteria, first floor. And he said, uh, yeah, you know, 2.30 is the end of the day. At 2.35 we'll have mass and we'll be done by three. And he said, what we'll do is this, I'm not gonna allow anything else to happen during that time, so no, no team practices. Normally they would start right away, they can't until three o'clock. Uh, clubs, uh, extra help with teachers, whatever it is, whatever. Uh, the cafeteria used to always be open. Right after school, kids would just hang out And get some food that was closed until three o'clock you didn't have to go to the mass but he wanted to make the point that uh, you know this is nothing's going to compete with this Um, which was really a great idea Uh, teams ended up coming coaches decided okay I'm gonna I want my whole team to come so they would sit together and ultimately we had really big numbers It kind of became the place to be on Thursday afternoon. Um, Hundreds of kids, like 500, 600 kids sometimes, uh, for this mass, so it was really a a great thing. One day, or at one of these masses, um, I talked about in the homily something that had happened earlier that week in the news. There had been a car accident. Where uh, kids were kids were involved, they were driving, and nobody nobody died, but it was a very serious, very serious accident. Kids were pretty pretty hurt, and uh, according to the paper, when I read the story, it said that uh, they they thought drinking was involved. So anyway, I had this Thursday mass, and I decided to reference that story, and I guess my I'm sure my point was you know drinking and driving like don't. Don't, you know, don't get in a car with somebody who's been drinking. And after Mass, uh, five or six kids come up to me, very kind of solemn look on their face, and they said to me, uh, they weren't drinking. And I said, how, how do you know? And she said, we know who they are. They were two of them. I think two of, the, of them were, were friends with these kids and they said, we know they weren't drinking. We know where they were, whatever. Who knows? I don't remember what the details were, but I really did believe them. Um, so I felt terrible. You know, I felt, I felt. You now these kids came to Mass to pray for their friend or friends who were sick. And now I'm telling a couple of hundred kids that they were drinking. Um, so I apologized. I said, I'm very sorry. And, I, and that was it. But I was thinking about it, and I, uh, I, I was just annoyed that I had done what I had done. So the next day, uh, we used to take turns with the morning prayers. We'd get on me and a couple of the brothers. And we'd, we'd, we'd take turns. We'd get on the PA, and you'd do the morning prayers during homeroom. And I didn't, that day, I didn't have them, but I asked if I could switch. So I just said... Uh, I told, you know, this was now the whole school, I just said what had happened the day before and what I had said and how I was wrong. And I mean, a lot of the kids weren't there, so they, I had to explain it, but five or 600 were there, so it was a big, a big group. And I just explained how I, uh, I was wrong. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said that, you know, and I probably said something like, you know, think before you speak. I should have thought this through a little bit more, gotten a little more information before I said what I had said, so I just apologized, very quick. Um, well, the reaction to that was very interesting, very positive, really. Uh, a number of teachers just said, well, that was that was good that you did that. Um, they weren't, <laughs> I guess they weren't used to that, like somebody in authority, particularly like a priest, saying, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, or whatever. and and they said the reaction of the kids was very interesting and also kind of, you know, homeroom, half the time they wouldn't even be listening to the prayers, but they heard that and a lot of them kind of like looked up and were listening to what was being said. Um, anyway, so it was just, I was, I was struck by the reaction. A couple of days later, I get this letter from a parent, the father of a kid in the school. And he has a couple of points. And again, this was a very positive letter, too. He said, uh, number one, he mentioned that. And he said that his daughter that night, I guess, mentioned the, uh, what I had, the apology. And she thought that was a good. Like, my stock kind of went up in her eyes. So he was letting me know that. Uh, but then he told me that he had been at a funeral that I had done, I don't know, a year before or two years before and it was a big one. It was for a kid who had died. It was the, uh, the son of a coworker who died of cancer. And I remember it. It was a big mass. You know, as you can imagine, very heartbreaking. People out the door, lots of young people. And he said, I remembered what you had said in the homily, or at least part of it, about you just said a, a couple of times, you were like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why this has happened. And I wasn't going to give them some sort of churchy answer, feeling the need to answer questions that really can't be answered. Um, I was like, I'm not going to explain this to you. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think God gives people cancer. God gives us life. He doesn't give us cancer. So I don't think God caused this, but I am troubled and puzzled by like, well, why doesn't God sometimes intervene? Because sometimes God does, we believe that, but then why does he sometimes, often, not seem to jump into the mix? And I was just like, I don't know, I don't know that. Um, I said to them, uh, I guess I said to them, you know, if you want to know why he died, go talk to the oncologist, because that's the expert. He or she will have some answers, but I don't. And uh, anyway, he, liked, he appreciated that. Be kind of, I don't know. Like a, we don't have all the answers. And then the third thing he said, and this was, this was actually the bulk of the letter, he talked about he had an uncle, or I think a great uncle, who was a priest. And his uh, grandparents, his, his uncle, they were all from Ireland. And he said uh, the uncle lived in the States but didn't live in New York, but would see him a couple of, he'd come visit a couple of times a year. And he said when this guy would show up, it was like the king had arrived. <laughs> like they would roll out the red carpet in just ridiculous ways. I guess it was the, his, his grandmother, I guess, would be like the priest's sister would just over the top. You know, it was like, everything stopped and he was just like the center of attention waited on hand and foot and it was just like everybody was like all right enough you know and and he even said he he thought you know the father the priest was kind of kind of kind of a know-it-all kind of kind of arrogant and wasn't very patient you know you had a busy house with kids and the craziness of that he wasn't used to that you know, I think it was kind of like an Irish thing from another generation where like, oh my God, like the church and then the priest was just, like he just had too much influence, objectively had too much influence. Nobody has all the answers. And he said to me, you know, because of my uncle, in all honesty, I kind of had like a little bit of an anti-priest or an anti-clerical attitude. Was my not great experience with him, but he said you kind of challenged me. So I was grateful for that. It was a very thoughtful letter, and it's like where does that come from? That sort of this is the the prince. He knows everything. Traffic should stop because he's here and he's got all the answers. I mean exaggerating a little bit, but you get my point, like, where does that come from? <laughs> I think it comes from the church. You know, it comes from, I think, we kind of, we, we, we puff ourselves up. Like, we, in a lot of cases, we make ourselves too much like we've got all the answers. I mean, look at the gospel today. It's not, it's not a new problem. It, look at, it goes back to at least Jesus' time. These religious leaders couldn't stand Jesus for a very simple reason. He was stealing their spotlight. He was saying things and people were intrigued. They were listening, they were following him. So the focus went from the religious leadership. They, always, they were the princes. They always got the focus. They had the spotlight and now this guy shows up and people are like, whoa, like, this guy, he's got something to say and they couldn't stand it, they were threatened by it. So that's where you get this gospel. They're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna get him, we're gonna get him, we're gonna ask him an impossible question. And this whole thing about who comes first, God or the government, religion or politics, Caesar or God, and it's like no matter what he says, he's gonna alienate somebody. If he says God comes first, he's gonna be seen as a rebel to the Roman government, and they're gonna go after him. They'll stop him. And if he says that uh, the other side of it, if he says that uh, the, the Roman government is first, Caesar's number one, then the Jewish people are gonna be furious with him. Because they, were, they saw the Romans as they, they were, they were these, this occupying force. And now you're saying that Caesar comes before God? So no matter what he says, he's gonna get caught. That's why they asked the question. And he knows that. Which one is it? Do you pay taxes to Caesar or to God? And he goes both. Nice try, but it's both. You don't have to pick, it's not either or. Sometimes in life I think things are either or, aren't they? Like Sometimes there's, there's right and wrong. There's just absolute truths. Yes, no, black, white, sometimes yes. But not always. It can be both and. And I think he does that in this response. He's like, give Caesar, if, if it's his coin, give him, give him his place. But also give God his place. It's not one or the other. It can be both. At the end of the day, yeah, it's God. Because Caesar's not God. <laughs> God is God. Caesar isn't. Caesar's important. Pay your taxes to Caesar. But he's not God. God comes first. Doesn't mean nobody else matters. Lots of people matter. But God's got to be number one. You know, I remember I got somebody, uh, I think they emailed me this kind of an interesting article. Uh, it was like a, one of these survey kind of things where it was, uh, well, this was the question. It was uh, the 50 most influential people Of all time, like it was a pretty broad. So the most, the 50 most influential people who have ever lived. You know, you read these things with a grain of salt, right? Like, there could be. There's no way that it's a clear 50, and you want to know the agenda of the person and you know where they're coming from. But anyway, it was it was interesting. Jesus was number one, so that was kind of nice when I saw that. I mean, these were some of the other people, some of the top 50. Albert Einstein, Aristotle, Isaac Newton, Galileo, so philosophers, scientists, artists, Michelangelo, Shakespeare, da Vinci, statesmen, leaders, Washington, Lincoln, Martin Luther King. Also bad guys, you know, but but people who had influence, Hitler, Karl Marx, uh, Julius Caesar, There was a quote from John Lennon, and he was talking about Elvis and his influence. And John Lennon said, before Elvis, there was nothing. Before Elvis, there was nothing. Yes, there was, (laughs) you know, like with all due respect to John Lennon and the Beatles and, and to Elvis, there was something before Elvis, and I love Elvis. I mean, he, he was the king, but he wasn't God. We know that. Like, when you take people and you put them, on like, on a God pedestal, it's inevitable we're going to be let down. I mean, look at how El- poor Elvis, the end of his life. Man, he wasn't God. Elvis's voice? Yeah, I think that was a gift from God. Elvis's. Charisma? Yeah, I think that was, like a, that was like Holy Spirit charisma. Evidence of God throughout Elvis' life and his gift. But he wasn't God. I mean, of course we know that. But like in this you know, culture of celebrity, you make people more than they are. It's like Jesus was like, Jesus would be like, no, Elvis was awesome. God's, God's the reason for Elvis. God created Elvis, but he's not God. kind of an interesting quote from uh, Einstein, Albert Einstein, and he was asked, like, toward the end of his life, sort of like, so, with all that you've done, he was responsible for so much. His question was basically, was, so what, do you, what is it you do? What do you do? And he said, I trace the lines that flow from God. That's a pretty cool concept. I trace the lines that flow from God. And you know what? I guess Albert Einstein traced the lines maybe better than the the lines of science, better than anybody maybe who ever lived. But he says, but but the lines came from God. I was just somebody that God used. I mean, that's, that humility, I think, is what should fuel our lives. We all know people who, who've gotten it wrong. I mean, we all do this at times. You get too passionate about, too passionate about something, something just becomes t- too big a deal in our lives, and as a result, our priorities get mixed up, If I'm giving this too much of my heart, then that means these other parts of my life are getting ignored, and they may be more important than the part I'm focusing on. So I become the fool. I become the one with regrets. But we all do it. I guess that's what sin is, right? When we just go after something and make it more important than it is. I I just think today, like, you know, and I reference this a lot, but the number of families who will be at a, at a field on a Sunday morning because there's almost nothing more important than their nine-year-old's soccer career. It's like, you gotta be kidding. And they're not here because of it. Now, I also know people who are like, no, I'm here. I'm just not gonna be here Sunday morning. We got to mass last night or we got here or we will get here tonight. People do balance it. Jesus didn't say, Caesar's out. He just was like, put him in his proper place. But Caesar was real, Caesar was important. He didn't say don't pay the tax. He just said, don't give him more than God. Well, it's the same thing with the soccer on Sunday or the whatever on Sunday or whatever it is that really does pull us away from God. You know, that mass, that school mass that we we began on the Thursdays, I mean, it really was a great idea. Lots of kids and kind of made mass credible. And it was also great because kids came there with their teams, you know, Whatever it was, whatever the team or whatever the club, you know, when the spring musical was was getting ready to happen, you know, the whole cast for the spring musical would be sitting together in the auditorium at mass because those things were good. They weren't, you know, football. Clearly, they were all good things, these teams and these clubs. They all matter, but they're not the most. Remember what matters most.